0: Welcome back to What Comes Next. Shane, how are you feeling?
1: Feeling good. Yeah? Yeah. I'm what excited. You been, what
0: have you been up to the past few days, weeks, months?
1: Oh, you know, just working.
0: Yeah. Living the dream. I hate when
1: people say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, whose dream are you living? That's what I want to know.
1: Um, Big corporations dream.
0: I always thought that they were talking about the American dream.
1: Yeah, I guess when you're, like, working a lot and never seeing your family.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's the American dream. Yes. The American dream is to um, ignore your family.
1: And make lots of money. But
0: make lots of money mm-hmm. f- for them, I'm saying in quotes. Yes. Um, so I'm living the dream, you know, for mm-hmm. my, my wife and kids.
1: <laughs> your wife and kids, yep. yes.
0: Um, what are your- we talking about today? Surgery. We're going to talk about surgeries. Uh, so we need a disclaimer mm-hmm. because surgeries can be often triggering, obviously. And how do you want to disclaimer this, Shane? You, you speak.
1: Okay. Uh, well, we're going to be talking about surgeries, which surgeries are involved with your body parts. So we're going to be talking about different parts of our bodies. And if that's a sensitive topic for you, then you might not want to listen. Uh, also, if you know us in real life, just know that we're going to be talking about our bodies in this podcast. So... You're welcome to listen if you want to. But if you see this at work after you hear this,
0: don't make it weird. Yeah, just don't make it weird. Because yeah. we're probably going to talk about some things that are a little TMI. So don't listen to this, you know, on your speaker phone on your break at work.
1: <laughs> Yes, please don't do that. Yeah. Um, um, also, you know, I think a lot of our audience right now are like our cis friends who are curious. But this podcast specifically especially is going to be more for trans people who are at least somewhat familiar with the different surgeries that like the different gender affirming surgeries that trans people can have so if you're coming into it not knowing anything about surgeries then you might be a little lost which is fine um but this podcast is not really for cis people that have no i no knowledge of it it's for trans people who Want to know more about surgeries or who are going through their own surgical journeys and want to hear like our anecdotal
0: stories about it? A lot of this is going to be about our self experience, right? And not others. So that's another thing that Mm -hmm. we should probably talk about is that not all trans people get surgeries, not all trans people start hormones, like we said in our last Mm -hmm. podcast. So just because someone hasn't had the, in quotes, surgery, there's no such thing as that, first of all, mm-hmm. but just because someone didn't have a surgery doesn't make them more or less trans. Mm-hmm. Surgeries are, for trans people at least, um, in my experience, is to alleviate dysphoria with our bodies um, so we can feel more uh, connected to our bodies on a uh, multiple levels, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Yeah. So not all trans people get surgeries. Not all trans people need, sur- want or need surgery. Um, so everything is valid, whatever you want to do. Uh, getting surgery doesn't make you more or less trans. And also our own surgical experiences may not be the same as other people. So we're talking about our own experiences, at least in this podcast. um, It's not going to be like a surgery 101. It's going to be yeah. just our personal experiences. So Hopefully our experiences can help other trans people going through similar journeys.
0: Yeah. Now, I remember you mentioning on a few episodes ago that you first came in contact with like trans mask surgeries when um, someone on TV uh, had um, top surgery. What was that again? Remind me.
1: What documentary was it? Was it was a
0: documentary. I don't remember yeah. what it was on TV. So yeah.
1: I think it was actually the documentary Suited. Okay. Which was about uh, there's a company in New York City or Brooklyn that makes like bespoke suits for people, for like people in the LGBT population. Oh, like suited.
0: Like I'm suited up. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Um,
1: and they make like custom made suits for like queer and trans people. Gotcha. And in that documentary, one of the people featured and it was talking about having top surgery. And that was like the first time I really saw anything about top surgery and like what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was what made me start looking into it. And then I started watching people's uh, videos on YouTube. Uh, YouTube was where I got a lot of my information at least at first. So I was watching videos about um, like non-binary people that had top surgery Mm -hmm. and their experiences.
0: Was there a reason why it was non-binary people or like did you also see like transmasculine people, people that I identify as a trans man, or like you know people that um, just wanted to get rid of them to alleviate whatever you know?
1: Non-binary because initially I was more interested in top surgery than I was in hormones. Gotcha. And the the there was one specific person I was watching and they had top surgery before they went on hormones, mm-hmm. and that I think was just who I found first. Gotcha also like being non-binary just their own journey like resonated with me
0: yeah so you just wanted to see if if people reflected you i mean that makes sense because Mm -hmm. for me i wasn't interested in doing hormones or interested in doing any surgeries until i saw people that were like me like kind of like a reflection of me either like who i wanted to be who i like who i am who i was at that time and once i started seeing that then i noticed like okay this is something that i actually truly do want you know or that I feel right in wanting this, you know? Like, it's not a wrong thing to do, you know? And I'm not alone, I guess, is what I mean by it.
1: Right. I think it helps a lot when you see your own wants mirrored in other people because it makes you feel like your own wants are valid. Yeah. Um, because for me, I started looking at surgeries before I started. Like, surgeries was, or at least top surgery was what made me realize that I was trans because Mm -hmm. I I realized it was something I wanted. And like generally that's not something you want if you're cis. Like of course there's different variants on gender and like you might not identify as trans and get top surgery, but Mm. most people that get top surgery are trans. Yeah. In some way or another. So did you, when did you start looking into surgeries? Like for yourself and what, I guess as a two-part question, when did you start looking into surgeries and what surgery first did you think about for yourself
0: okay for me it's a little different than some I didn't really know what I wanted I just knew that I wanted something different so hormones was like a no-brainer for me I started those because like every single thing that I saw on the list was like yes I want that I was hoping that the hormones would change all the things that I wanted to change with my body, just with that pill, you know, I didn't care how long it would take or whatever. That's what I wanted to do. Um, so surgeries didn't come until, or like, into my mind until I was like, okay, let me see how hormones like treat my body first and how my body responds to it first before I start looking into surgeries because I knew one, surgeries are very expensive. Two, I'm not a fan of surgeries. I have never been. Um, not like, like I don't like. I don't think people should get surgeries. More just like for myself. So yeah, that was sort of how it worked. So once I hit about like a year on hormones and I realized that like there was still a lot of like glaring problems with my face, I started looking into facial feminization surgery and that was the first one I got. So yeah, that was like the main one. It was mainly just for my confidence and my self-worth being able to present as female and have other people see me as female as well. It just helped with like my mental state, you know. That was mm-hmm. my first one. What about you?
1: Uh, well, I know you mentioned it already. Yeah. Kind of- so the first one I was looking into was top surgery, and but I didn't en- end up getting top surgery until I was. I went on hormones first. Yeah. And then I was on hormones for.
0: Was that intentional? Did you do, was that a decision that you made or was that something that somebody made for you or like that was just the path that you had to take? It
1: was, so I, shortly after I realized I wanted top surgery, I also realized I wanted to go on hormones Mm -hmm. and going on hormones was way more accessible to me than surgery was. Yeah. So it just was like how it happened. Like if Mm -hmm. I had been able to get top surgery before I went on hormones, then I would have. But generally with like trans surgeries, um, especially something like top surgery or bottom surgery, you need to be on a waiting list for a while. Yeah. Or like your surgeon has a long period between like when you can get a consult and when you can mm-hmm. actually have surgery.
0: Yeah. I know that for me, um, with my experience, there even there is even some surgeons that won't even work on you unless you had hormones. Right. Which is
1: for – f- For FFS, you mean?
0: For FFS, for bottom surgery, right. just in general. I think it's kind of messed up. Like, if you want the surgery, you should just get it. But I guess it's like one of those things where they're like, you might regret it. Okay, sure.
1: Right. I. That may be a concern for, well, that's definitely a concern for some surgeons. I think they don't want the liability of performing surgery on someone who then may regret it. Even though, like, statistically, if you look at the research, there's a very very low percentage of people that actually regret having any sort of surgeries yeah um and more so their regrets come from like having complications or having it not turned out exactly the way they wanted versus versus having the surgery in the first Mm -hmm. place um but i also think there are some things that they want to see happen before you have surgery like they want to see how much your face might change before you have surgery or like if you're doing breast augmentation, they want you to wait at least a couple of years to see like what your body does before exactly. you actually have that surgery or like with bottom surgery, especially with um, metoidioplasty, they want to see how much growth you can get before yeah. you have surgery. So there are valid reasons for exactly. them making you wait or them making you be on sur- on hormones first. But like top surgery, you don't have to be on hormones before you have top surgery or you don't yeah. have to go on hormones ever if you have top surgery.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I actually had some pushback from, not from my surgeon, from from certain people on the internet saying like, you're too early in your medical transition to get facial feminization surgery. Um, But for me, my facial surgery was all about bone structure and not really about looks Mm -hmm. overall. Um, I went to Dr. Spiegel in Boston and I went to him... I knew he was more expensive. Uh, he is very expensive. He's like $10,000 more than the average that I read, at least. But the reason why I went to him is because his his techniques didn't really make you look much different from what you already look like, if that makes sense. You just looked more feminine. And that was it. So um, I went to him and I basically just had like bone and you know cartilage reshaped so then my face looked less angular you know and i'm happy i went with him and i'm happy that i spent the extra money because it was worth it uh, in my opinion because i wanted to i wanted to hormones to do their thing but i didn't want my bones to get in the way of that
1: right and it makes sense for you to have had ffs when you did which wasn't you weren't a year on hormones yet right
0: i was just a year on like, I was just a, a little shy of a year. Right. Yeah, because yeah, you had started
1: hormones in October. I started, And you the, had surgery uh, yeah. in August, July?
0: It was, yeah. It was, like, July 1st. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it made sense, I, in my opinion, for you to have had FFS when you did because hormones won't change your bone structure. Yeah. It'll change how your fat distributes, and mm-hmm. it'll change what your face looks like. It, to an extent, but it can't change your bones,
0: yeah. And my face was no, already at least, getting not in rounder. Your
1: face especially. Yeah, yeah. my
0: face was already getting rounder from hormones, mm-hmm. and like my skin was softening. And like I had a more feminine looking face, but I still had a very large like bridge and like a you know, a bony ridge, which is like the bone that is like between your like under your eyebrows mm-hmm. and like between your eyebrows, and it sort of protrudes out a bit. and my my jaw and chin were very uh, angular. So those were the things that I focused on. I was given the opportunity to put in, like, implants, uh, but I decided against it. Uh, There's nothing wrong with implants. Like, I know a lot of people that have them, and they look wonderful. It was just for me, I didn't want to have that unknown. And I would rather just not take that risk of anything that could happen with those, you know? So... Yeah, that was my facial feminization surgery. Okay, I have a question for you. Okay. And then we'll, we'll, obviously, we're going to be talking more about our different surgeries that we've had while we talk about this. Right. But just as a quick overview for people that don't know us personally, I've had three surgeries. I've had facial feminization surgery, bottom surgery or vaginoplasty, and I had a uh, body contour or fat transfer do you want to quickly tell the audience what you had? Sure. Okay.
1: So I had top surgery. I had a hysterectomy. I had a top surgery revision. And I had the first two stages of phalloplasty.
0: Cool. All around the same time I had my surgeries. Right.
1: We are timelines are weirdly matched. Yeah. To a like. And it wasn't just, planned because we didn't know each other no. for like the first year. Yeah, no, none of this was planned. It just happened in a very weird way.
0: Exactly. So what advice would you have for someone just starting to look at surgeries as an option? Like maybe they're not sure about if they want them or not. Maybe they're not even on hormones or maybe they just started hormones. Mm -hmm. Um, From your experience, what advice have you given or what advice would you give?
1: I always tell people to do a lot of research first, even before asking questions, because I'm in a lot of – online groups that people go to to ask questions or to find information and there will be some people who go into the groups and they are like can you tell me about this or like what what how did they do these surgeries or what are the complications very basic questions that can be answered by going to either using the search function in the group and just looking at other people's posts yeah or by doing their own research like at least for there's like net and phalloplasty or net and other similar websites. And there's also YouTube that a lot of people post about their experiences. There's Reddit, subreddits mm-hmm. that you can find information. So doing your research first before because then from that research, then you can ask like the specific questions you want. But people won't really want to answer your super basic questions because it's like sort of exhausting if you have to like explain to them the The details when you're like someone who's going through those surgeries yourself and you like it's just it's not really some people will be more willing to answer your questions if you have specific questions and not general questions yeah so to get the best information you have to do a little research on your own and a little digging on your own and now because we have the internet it's so easy to find okay i'm gonna take that back it's not super easy to find the information you still have to look a little bit Hmm. but the information is way more accessible than it was like 5 10 years ago. Yeah. Um and just like not just doing like research where it's like what is phalloplasty but like watching youtube videos and um reading books and things like that because there are books about surgeries. Yeah. that you can so just research research research.
0: Yeah, my my philosophy when i'm on the internet and i'm researching surgeries is always look at like multiple surgeons, multiple techniques, and multiple experiences like at least four or more and then compile like an average and be like okay this is something that i could expect whether it's like recovery time or you know uh aesthetics or bedside manner or like whatever it is all that kind of stuff needs to come from like a multitude of sources
1: yeah i also think like you said, like looking at different surgeons is a really good idea and consulting with different surgeons and not choosing a surgeon based on convenience if you can. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it's not accessible for many people to go to another state for surgery because it's like, that's expensive. Yeah. But also like you generally get one, like you can get revisions if you're not happy with your initial surgery, but I'd say to be safe, like you want to go to a surgeon that you know will mesh well with like you want to have at your consult you want to have a good feeling about the surgeon and you want to feel understood and like they're going to listen to you Mm -hmm. and if you don't get that feeling like don't go to that surgeon you want to maybe have a consult with someone else and even if you like your first surgeon maybe still find a consult with someone else just just to see
0: it's hard because some of the surgeons like there's down payments and deposits and stuff and sometimes Mm -hmm. you don't retrieve that so sometimes you just gotta find the ones that don't have deposits just so you can get a response mm-hmm. but also respect the surgeon's time so just like how you said where you don't want to really ask that person that just got phalloplasty like you know how does it work that's too general or too specific it's like the same thing you know what I mean like it's it's a general question but you're asking for very specifics mm-hmm. um don't do the same with a surgeon do your research ahead of time so when the right. surgeon is talking About that stuff, you can get into the actual details, you know, Um, like for me, when I had uh, my bottom surgery, my vaginoplasty, there was a like newer technique that was coming out. And I asked about that. And had I not asked about that, I wouldn't have known that the surgeon that I was actually going to that I was speaking to actually did a, a method of that, like a version of that. So those are, like, important questions to find out and ask, Mm -hmm. you know. I think surgeons, like, appreciate that, too, and they'll respect you a little bit more um, when you do that research because then they know that you're actually serious about it, and they're not going to feel, like, anxious about actually choosing to take you out on as, like, a... A patient. Yeah, patient. Exactly. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's okay to go in not knowing that much because the surgeon is also there to try to help educate you, or they should have methods in place that will that someone will be able to help educate you if you don't have that knowledge. But it's always better to go in with the most amount of information you can.
0: Yeah. And I think that's actually a really good point that you just brought up too, is I found that I got the most response and resource from the like office. And the people that work at the office, whether they're nurse practitioners or they're like, you know, just like front desk or whoever it is, they're the ones that are making sure that you're happy. Like the surgeons are doing so much. And of course, they're doing the same, but they have a lot that's going on. So utilize those people that are part of the team as a resource, you know, because like if you can't get a quick response because you're worried about how something turned out. If you contact somebody from the office, they'll find out from the surgeon. you know mm-hmm. So it's sort of like a little filter. you know I had that happen like with my face. I had like uh, like a puffy spot in my jaw. And I didn't know what to do, so I just quickly took a picture of it, and I emailed it over to the, like, lady at the office that was, like, handling my case, you know, in quotes. I don't know if that actually is the terminology or whatever, Um, but she was sort of, like, my advocate or liaison for the office. And uh, within an hour, I got a response back saying, hey, I just talked to uh, Dr. Spiegel it's perfectly normal put a little bit more ice on it if it continues to get bigger let us know that kind of thing mm-hmm. so it's important
1: yeah i think that's another good piece of advice is to make connections with people besides this this your surgeon be nice to everyone in the office and not i'm not saying like be fake nice so you get things but like you should be a nice person in general but <laughs> it's really important to to like, it's, it's easy to get frustrated when you're going through the surgery process because there's a lot of moving parts and, you know, you have to, like, worry about insurance and worry about uh, all the logistics. And it's easy to get frustrated when, like, you're talking to the secretary on the phone about scheduling and they don't give you the date that you exactly want. Yeah. But don't take that frustrate- sh- frustration out on them mm-hmm. because that's not really going to get you far. Like, if you want them to help you out as much as they can, then take your frustration out when you're off the phone with them or, like, when you're not in the room with them.
0: Yeah. Uh, or talk it out with somebody else that's gone through a similar thing mm-hmm. and just so you don't feel so alone, you know. How did you manage your anxiety before surgery?
1: I wasn't really anxious for top surgery, really. Mm-hmm. I was more excited because binding is really painful um, and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So, and also, I'm, like, weirdly – interested in surgeries and, like, medical situations. Okay. I mean, I am going to nursing school, so I, I hope that's a good thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, I was never nervous about – and I've had surgeries before. Like, I have I had my wisdom teeth out, which is, like, a minor thing. But I had surgery, like, on my hand when I was 12 maybe. Okay. So I it wasn't like it was my first surgery ever.
0: Mm-hmm. What type of anxieties did you have? Like, what made you anxious about it? Was it, like, the length of time? Like –
1: So I think the thing that I have been most anxious about before surgeries, or at least very anxious about was like, when can I get back to my normal activities? Because like, I'm an active person and I like working out and things like that. So to have to like sit in bed or on the couch and just recover and be still was anxiety producing for me and also frustrating because that's not what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Which is the opposite for me. Right. Just put me in a bed, put me in front (laughs) of a TV with video games. I'm Mm -hmm. fine. You know, I mean, after about four weeks of that, I'm tired of it, but Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: Right. So really what I did was just like realize and say to myself that it's temporary and it won't be like this forever.
0: That's super important. Right.
1: And I think that's important just in all stages of surgery It's just like, You're probably going to be in a little bit of pain or discomfort. Um, You might not like how things look at first because you're swollen and your body is healing and it's going to be like different colors as it's healing and your body is going to and everything's going to change shape as it's healing. So immediately afterward, you have to just be patient for like a while. Like for top surgery, it took like six to eight months for my chest to really settle Yeah. Um, It was similar for my face. Yeah. It was
0: like three months just to look okay. mm -hmm. um, But at least a year for it to really settle.
1: Yep. Yeah. It's it it takes you have to have a lot of patience with these and you have to like, try not to feel frustrated Mm -hmm. with how things look initially. Because like, some people when they first see their chest, they like, they cry and it's so emotional. And like, when I first saw my chest, I was like,
0: I cried for my face. mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I, I was like, i wasn't disappointed because it was like what i wanted i got a flat chest but it didn't look how i envisioned it in my head yeah and i realized now it was just because like i had just had a major surgery and yeah i was like sort of swollen and it like looked like Mm -hmm. everything had to like fill back in like i had to like gain some muscle everything had just been in like a a compression binder so like everything was just like super flat and also then like i had a complication after my top surgery um, which I, I, we can get into after because we were talking about just like anxieties. Yeah. Um, but it, it just it, patience is really really important. Yeah. Um, not like even just waiting for surgeries because sometimes you could be waiting like over a year for mm-hmm. a specific surgeries. So
0: for me, there's like two things that I did like before surgeries, like like you said, like you might have to wait a whole year to two to three years before you can get a surgery. You could be on a waiting list. You could just, like, not be able to get insurance or whatever it is, right? For me, it was always about moving forward. It's like, okay, if I can't control that or I've done everything that I could do to get that surgery, what else can I work on, mm-hmm. you know? Maybe it's something as small as, like, getting my nails done or, like, getting, like, a like a more feminine haircut or, like, buying a dress or whatever it is. It could even be something that didn't cost any money. Like, it could just been as simple as, like, shaving my legs just something that would keep me going down that road of where I wanted to go um that really helped my anxiety like let me work on what I can work on you know Mm -hmm. and then the other thing that I was sort of like revelation for me is surgeons their job is to like go in and do their thing but then make the body do the work so that's why we were saying like healing takes so long and recovery takes so long because recovering is actually, that's the part of, that really matters, you know, Mm -hmm. like for my face, if I didn't take care of my face correctly and I didn't like do what I was supposed to do, it could have turned out a different way and it takes time for it to heal. Like you can only do so much when you cut your skin open and then like mess with something or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. like shave down a bone or like, you know, take out an organ or whatever it is, but your body is the thing that's going to heal whatever just happened. Mm -hmm. So you have to like trust in your body and you have to trust that the surgeon uh, is responding to your body correctly. And just because you have to get like a minor revision or just because you had like a small complication doesn't necessarily mean that the surgeon was bad or that like your body isn't responding correctly. It's just, you just need a little extra care. Like that's, Mm -hmm. everybody's different. You know, the good news is that you caught it. You know, Mm -hmm. don't just ignore it. Right. I guess is what I would say. But yeah, for me, I tried to stay like neutral. I tried not to get too excited about it and I tried not to get too like anxious about it, like like nervous about it. I mean, like in a negative way, like anxious in a negative way. Um, so I just tried to keep myself sort of like numb a little bit as like a self-defense like defense mechanism. Um, and that's how it kind of helped me during uh, that like time before surgeries mm-hmm. of like, I know that this Band-Aid about to get pulled off, but right now I can't work myself up over it. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to just focus on what I'm doing right now, distract myself. Yeah.
1: What, you know? what surgery were you the most anxious for?
0: I would say that it was my face, just mainly because really? that was like my big, big surgery ever. I didn't know how recovery was going to be. So anytime I would start thinking about, like, this is what my va- face could turn out to be, I had to, like, immediately, like, just forget about it mm-hmm. and think about something else. Because I didn't want to set an expectation that, like, my nose is going to look this way, my chin's going to look this way, my, you know, forehead's mm-hmm. going to look this way. I just wanted to be surprised, you know? It was sort of like, I'm going to buy a painting from a uh, an artist that I really like, and I'll be surprised because I didn't really ask for much other than, like, I want it to look like this, and then I let them do their thing. Almost mm-hmm. like a tattoo, you know? Like, you give them some ideas, mm-hmm. and you say, hey, this is what I'm thinking, and then they give you the result. That's how I try to treat it, instead of it being, like, I drew a picture, and I said, put this on my body, you know? Because that's just unrealistic in mm-hmm. my mind, because there's so many factors, whether it's the surgeon, whether it's your body, whatever it could be, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what about you? What was your, like, most what, – what surgery did you have that you were most anxious for. uh
1: definitely the first stage of phalloplasty just because phalloplasty is a really big recovery yeah uh it's like at least six to eight weeks of recovery and there's a lot of things that can can go wrong i think out of all of the surgeries phalloplasty is the one with the highest rate of complications yeah so there's a chance of like necrosis or like loss of tissue and you know like so phalloplasty they're taking um skin from one part of your body to like make a penis so Mm -hmm. there's a chance it's a low it's not a super high chance like this isn't one of the main complications but something that can happen is like the tissue dies yeah so i was worried about that and i was just worried about just just in general like everything that could go wrong Mm -hmm. and
0: how did you get through that? Was it just one of those things where you're like, I just want to pull the band o- Band-Aid off as soon as possible kind of thing? or
1: It was just going into it with the knowledge that I was going to a really good team of surgeons and yeah. that I couldn't control anything. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really worth thinking about it beforehand because I had no control over what was going to happen after.
0: Yeah. It's sort of like right before you're about to go on a roller coaster. Where you've heard the 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 stories of like you know them falling off the tracks or somebody like you know something breaking or whatever Mm -hmm. it was, Uh, but you just have to trust that like this thing has been working all day and it hasn't had any issues, you know, Mm -hmm. and that it was it was tested correctly, so I should be okay, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's that like risk for the reward, so to speak, you know. Mm -hmm. But I get that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it was also just knowing that. If I didn't go through with it, I mean, that wasn't really a possibility. It wasn't like I was going to back out and be like, I'm too mm-hmm. scared. I'm not going to do it because I knew I couldn't live the rest of my life doing that.
0: Yeah. So that's actually a good like segue into our next part. Like, Have you had any complications that you're willing to share with us?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so after my top surgery, I had my hysterectomy a week and a half after my top surgery Mm-hmm. which I wouldn't recommend. Um, I'm sort of surprised that both my surgeons agreed to do that. Um, but it, I mean, it turned out okay ultimately in the end. Um, and I think that they knew that I was going to be okay going through like two surgeries yeah. within a short amount of time. But after you have top surgery, most surgeons put in drains. And the drains, at least for me, were really uncomfortable and sort of painful. And I was terrified of going into my hysterectomy with the drain still in and like, having some which this was probably like an unfounded concern Mm. because i think the place that people are going to be most careful with your body is in an operating room so like my terrified thoughts of someone like accidentally yanking on one of the drains that were in my chest was probably not going to happen yeah (laughs) but i was super worried about it because like i could just imagine the pain that that would cause yeah so i asked for my drains to be removed like, a couple of days before I had my hysterectomy, so I didn't have to go into my hysterectomy with it. And they were like, well, you're sort of on the cusp of being ready for it, but we'll do it. And this may or may not have actually resulted from pulling my drains too early. Like, it could have also just been how my body responded mm. because you can have a complication even after the drains are pulled at exactly the right time. Mm. Um, but I had a seroma, which is fluid collection, in my in one side of my chest after the drains were removed because the drains are meant to, like, yeah. drain the fluid from your chest. Um, that are filling up, like, the cavity that was empty. Yeah. uh, Whereas before there was something, some tissue in there. So I had to have that drained uh, for, like, once or twice a week for a few weeks. And then it caused, like, scar tissue to develop and harden in my chest. So then it sort of looked like I really hadn't had surgery on that one side, um, which was frustrating to me because, like, I had just gone through surgery to have a flat chest and then I had, like, this big lump on one side. Mm Mm-hmm. So then I had to have a revision like three months after that where I went under again. Did you have to
0: bind again then since you had that lump or no,
1: not? Really? No, no. Um, it just was, it just it, it wasn't, awkward. it wasn't apparent when I was wearing a shirt, but it was just like bothersome to me personally, like in yeah. terms of dysphoria. Mm-hmm. But I had a revision like three months later where they removed the scar tissue. Mm hmm. And then after that, I still had like a little seroma again. Did
0: you have to have drains after that? No. Okay. So I
1: like begged my surgeon to not give me drains because okay. she was like, you might need a drain again after the surgery. And I was like, please, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, uh, so so we talked about it like pre-op. And I was like, please, if you can do it without drains, please. And she was like, okay, I'll try. Um, so I woke up without drains, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got a, a little seroma again. And then I had a little, like, a much smaller amount of scar tissue form again. My body, and like, oh, and I also had, like, part of my incision, like, sort of opened up. Um, my mm-hmm. body just doesn't react well to, like, glue, like, incision glue and sutures. Gotcha. So my scar on that one side like healed a little bit thicker Mm -hmm. and then i also still had scar tissue like inside my chest but then i got uh injections into it that dissolved that scar tissue so now my chest looks fine and i also had an an, eventually a scar revision but that was like the most frustrating complication i had yeah yeah because otherwise like my histo went it was like the easiest thing I've ever gone through. Yeah. Like easier than wisdom teeth removal, which is like, (laughs) I had a whole organ removed. Yeah. yeah, Um, but it was fine. Like I didn't really have a lot of pain. Um, and like phalloplasty, I didn't really have any complications either. Um, which I didn't have some things done that could have caused more complications Mm -hmm. or the purpose of trying to avoid complications.
0: That's intense. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. Uh, for like a complication, like, cause it kept yeah. going on and on. You know? it, it
1: was like a, I mean, now I feel like it went by quickly, but in the moment, like it was like from July until like February of the next year that I was finally okay with my chest.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a long time.
1: Yeah. But it wasn't like of any fault of my surgeon. It was just how my body reacted to having had that surgery.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the fact that you wanted to get those strains out, but it's not your fault. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it was if anyone if, have been, if there was if anyone was at fault, it was me for being impatient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what about you?
0: For me, I had some minor stuff for my facial surgery. I had a lot of swelling, um, but it was like soon after I got it done. My surgeon's like, listen, you've got really thick skin, so your healing is going to go well. Like, all your incisions, all that stuff is going to go well, but you're going to stay swollen for longer than average. So I learned that after all of my other surgeries is the same thing. Mm-hmm. I just, I swell more or longer than the average person. I guess that's okay because I heal, you know, like, I, I have less likely to have, like, an issue with, like, healing, like, in terms of, like, uh, incisions and things like that. And um, what is it called? Sutures? Sutures. Thank you. Okay. So I had, like, a little pool of blood in my chin and my jaw uh, and I would like push on it and then I would like taste it and then that it went away Mm. like after like a few days and other than that um, so like for my bottom surgery um, they're like oh yeah like week and a half you'll be able to sit it was like two months and I was still like this hurts like it just was so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. Um, and I have pretty high pain tolerance but it was just awkward because like everything was still so swollen you know yeah but i didn't really have any major complications like thankfully Mm -hmm.
1: Um, yeah i just remembered i had more complications (laughs) they weren't like major ones that really had a long lasting result you
0: want to have a whole episode on complications i'm kidding oh i
1: totally could um (laughs) but like so after phalloplasty after stage so there are different surgeons that split up phalloplasty differently and my surgeon splits it up into like three or four different stages depending on what donor site you use. Yeah. But after anyone after stage one of phalloplasty will wake up with a catheter because you have to lay on your back
0: mm-hmm. for
1: like three to five days. Catheters suck. Catheters suck. Yeah. They suck a lot. Yeah. Um, and you wake up with a catheter because you you literally like really can't move
0: mm-hmm. at
1: all for like at least three days after surgery. Yeah. Um you have to be flat on your back to not um compromise the blood supply and the nerve hookup because they do microsurgery and they're like connecting things. Yeah. Um so you don't want to cut that off because you could cause it to yeah. to fail. Um and then apparently my body does not respond well, or at least my bladder does not like anesthesia. And it takes a very long time to wake up from anesthesia. Oh. So after I had the catheter removed after my first stage, I just couldn't pee. Mm-hmm. Um Like I felt like I had to pee, but I just wouldn't. I couldn't pee. Um, uh, that's the
0: complete opposite for me. Mm-hmm. I would just pee. Like mm-hmm. even after like my body fat transfer, like they normally put you in a catheter. Like I'm, I was supposed to leave like a few hours after, mm-hmm. um, because it was like a minor surgery. Uh, but they try to put a catheter in, and they're like, yeah, we couldn't really get it in. And like with it, I got up in like five minutes and I was like, okay, I can pee now. And they're like, okay, cool. Okay. Yeah. Peeing yeah. was like, I'd never had an issue peeing. Right. It's really, yeah.
1: Hard. No, I like, I had a minor issue peeing after histo where like it took me a couple hours to pee after mm-hmm. I woke up from surgery, but like I was able to pee and leave. But like after, and I think it was because it was a catheter that I was only in for like maybe a couple hours versus like, three days three or four days that I had the catheter in so um, I had to do I had to get straight cath which is like when they put a catheter in they drain your bladder and then they take it back out so they don't leave it in Um, I had to have that done twice before I could pee after my first stage um, which was one of the most painful things I've ever experienced because like they're putting a catheter in right where you've just had surgery
0: yeah it's it's amazing how important peeing is oh yeah after a surgery right like Like imagine everybody gets excited when you do after a surgery
1: yeah and like imagine like if you've ever been stuck on a long road trip and you um or like you're stuck in the car and you really need to pee but you you're not near a bathroom or anywhere you can stop so you have to hold it yeah like that pain like magnified by like three times
0: because you had a surgery in that area too yeah
1: right and also just because i i drank coffee to like because that generally will make me pee Mm. Um, and it made me have to pee but <laughs> I couldn't so it was just that was really painful and then after my second stage where I woke up with the catheter again and I was only supposed to be in the hospital for like overnight maybe and then I just I couldn't pee again and they put in the catheter again and I still and then they took it out again like they took it out I couldn't pee they put it back in left it in overnight took it out the next morning still couldn't pee so, I had to go home with a catheter for like five days. I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> just by, just, and you right I, now. <laughs> so like with transmasculine bottom surgeries, some people opt for urethral lengthening so you can stand to pee. Um, but with that, it also carries a higher risk of complications. So, I didn't get urethral lengthening because it wasn't something that was important to me to like diminish dyfor- dysphoria. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with sitting to pee. So, I didn't get urethral lengthening. And I still ended up with urinary complications. <laughs> You're saying like, what? The? So I like I avoided longer-term yeah. urinary complications.
0: But do you feel better because you could have had worse complications? Yes,
1: knowing that like after going home with a catheter and being with a catheter for only like five days and knowing yeah. how annoying it is to have a catheter and knowing that people who did have UL or urethral lengthening and having to have a catheter for like months. Yeah, I'm glad that. It was something that I potentially avoided. And that's the avoided. other thing too.
0: Like, even if the urethral lengthening um, was good and you didn't have any complications with that, the fact that you couldn't pee—that would have been the only thing on your mind. Right. You know, it's the fact that you're like, "Oh, what did I just do?" Right. You know. Yeah. Um,
1: and I mean, like, it, the the complications are so variable, and like, not a lot of people have the same complication I had. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I never even expected that happening because I was expecting so many other things to happen potentially. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, you have to go in with the expectation that things are going to happen that you didn't expect. Yeah. And just like roll with it. Mm -hmm. But now I have fun stories.
0: Yeah. (laughs) They're definitely fun. Um, Okay. We're going to change a little bit and not talk about complications. Okay. Um, So my question for you would you have changed the order of your surgeries at all? Like going back, if you could have. Interesting. Yeah.
1: That's an interesting question. Thank you. Um, I think the only thing I would have changed would have been not having my histo and my top surgery so close together. Mm -hmm. But otherwise I don't think I wouldn't have changed anything. Um, I like that. I had top surgery after I was on hormones. Mm -hmm. Um, That just felt right for me. And you know, I can't change the order of fallow surgeries, really. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, that'd <laughs> <Right>. be awkward. <laughs> um, and you have you yeah, have like to a be ball on sack
0: before you have. <laughs> that'd be awkward.
1: Well, I mean, technically, you could. Yeah, but, you could. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, like, if you have a hysterectomy, um, and you have your uterus removed, you can choose to still keep like your ovaries, so you don't necessarily have to stay on testosterone, uh-huh. um, because you just need some form of hormone in your body. So if you get your ovaries removed, you have to stay on either testosterone or you have to be on estrogen supplements. Yeah. So that your body produces or has hormones in it for mm-hmm. like bone health and like your to maintain like yeah. emotional health and everything. But because I chose to have my ovaries removed, I had to have been on I would have had to be on hormones for my histo. So Yeah. I wouldn't have yeah. changed it. I wouldn't have changed the order. Yeah. Yeah. Besides um, besides what I said before.
0: Mime is sort of like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that I went the route I did. Most, I wouldn't say most, but some of the, um, other trans feminine people that I know, uh, get, uh, bottom surgery before facial feminization surgery. If they do decide to get facial feminization surgery or bottom surgery, um, just because that's like where their main source of dysphoria is for me, it really wasn't, you know, I was actually on the fence of getting it for like, probably about like maybe six to eight months in hormones. I was like, let's just see how it goes. You know, it's not a if if it's not a big deal, it's not a big deal. Uh, but then I found that like it was sort of like a roadblock. Like I couldn't really move forward in my my happiness. You know, mm-hmm. and it became more of a, more of a like problem for me as I started. You know, presenting and, and looking the way that I wanted to look. So I'm happy I got my facial feminization uh, first because of my mental health. But the thing that people don't realize is when you go on surgery, or when you go on surgery, when you have a surgery, you have to stop your hormones. So the biggest problem that I had was I would get all of this laser hair removal to get rid of this big beard that I had, and then when I'd have to stop my hormones, I would have a sudden spike in testosterone in my body, so then all of my facial hair would come back. Mm. So, And then they also say, try not to get um, erectile. Orchiectomy.
1: Orchiectomy?
0: Orchiectomy. Is that how it's pronounced? Sure. I mean, you're the you're the future nurse here.
1: I don't know if I've ever heard it pronounced.
0: Orchie, we'll call it.
1: Orchie. Yeah. Okay.
0: So they say, like, try not to get an orchie before you get bottom surgery of, of vaginoplasty because mm-hmm. of certain things. And that's when so the... I didn't want to take that risk.
1: Right. That's when the testes are removed.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some people do it. Like, they don't even need, like, their bottom surgery is just the orchie. And right. I'm like, that's awesome. You mm-hmm. know, I... But for me, I knew that I was going to do it all. So, like, they say, and I don't know if this is old news or if, like, things have changed, but they say that, do it all at once. Don't get the orky ahead of time and then get because of the skin that you use to create. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But that was a big thing for me. was, like, I had my facial surgery and then, like, all of my, like, a lot of my facial hair came back. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I was going backwards, you know, like that sucked. So it was like being off of hormones, feel like I was going backwards, regaining facial hair and being super swollen. I literally felt like I was Shrek when I looked in the mirror. Mm -hmm. It was disgusting. And that's why I cried a lot Mm -hmm. um, because of all of those things. But I'm glad I did it first. I wish I would have known and I would have gotten my facial feminization like – I wish I knew that that was a thing that was going to happen. So that I would have been prepared for it, mm-hmm. you know? So like my whole like do things while you're waiting for your surgery to come up kind of backfired on me. Because I was like, I'll just get a whole bunch of laser hair removal on my face before mm-hmm. I get my facial feminization surgery. So then I'll look great afterwards. And it just didn't work. I mean, in some, for some people, you get laser hair removal. You get a few sessions and you're done. For me, I went a whole year and a half every month getting it and I still had some, you know, and I still have to shave my face in certain areas. But in terms of order, I, I'm happy with the way that I did it. Um, I am. I am happy with the way mm-hmm. I did it.
1: Yeah. So that leads into a question I had, which is, if you could go back, would you have done anything differently?
0: Um, what I just said. But other yeah. than that, um, I don't think so.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't think so. What about you?
1: Um, the only thing I really think about is, so with phalloplasty, you can use different, like, basically parts of your body for a donor site, which is what they call it, where they, like, take mm-hmm. the skin and um, fat and blood vessels and nerves to uh, make a penis. But there's different results, basically, that can come from having different donor sites. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, like, I used my arm for my donor site and... Um, like if you so the most common donor sites are like your arm and your leg mm-hmm. um, and I could have had a different outcome if I had used like my leg, say, yeah, um, so sometimes I think about that, I don't really want to get into specifics, but sometimes I think about having used like my leg over my arm mm-hmm. um but ultimately, like when I really think about it, I think that I chose the right thing for me, yeah, but otherwise, I feel really like. Uh, good about who I chose as my surgeons, so, but that came from doing, like, a ton of research.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Some people equate surgeries, and this isn't necessarily specifically, like, trans, uh, specific surgeries, but just surgeries in general, uh, like plastic surgery, because a lot of this is plastic surgery. To, like, having, like, tattoos, basically. Where it's, like, once you have one, you kind of get addicted. Um, Were you ever worried about being, like, addicted to surgeries?
1: Mm, No. No? No. Uh, I Having tattoos and have had gender-affirming surgeries, both. Yeah. um, To me, they feel, like, completely different things. Like, tattoos are, like, a fun thing to get that um, are... Affirming in a way to me feels like taking having autonomy over your own body and like making choices about your mm-hmm. own body. And gender affirming surgeries are similar in that you're still making choices, but they're too for a different outcome. Yeah, uh, Like having a gender affirming surgery is to, it like affects your whole life. Like getting a tattoo, it's like, yeah, it's going to be forever. But like if I do or don't get a tattoo, it's not going to like severely affect the rest of my life. where having a gender affirming surgery does so Mm -hmm. they're just it's like to me it's like I mean it's not even it's it's even more than this but like it's like getting a haircut versus like losing all of your hair
0: Mm -hmm. right yeah I mean I think it's a little different for a lot of trans feminine people um because I guess we're viewed differently you know just Feminine or or mm-hmm. f- or females in society are viewed a lot more like harshly on our appearance. Um, so it was definitely a huge fear of mine. It's why I did my like body fat transfer, uh, like my body contour, way later because I was worried that I was doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, I was worried that I was just doing it just because, like, I want to look hot, you know, or mm-hmm. like, I want to look attractive or like, I'm not attractive. I don't get this. And like, yeah, like there's so many little things like I could have gotten like implants in my cheeks. I could have gotten, you know, like a breast augmentation. I could have gotten all of these things that could have made me look more feminine in quotes, mm-hmm. you know, Um so you do kind of ride that line a little bit of, am I doing this to alleviate gender dysphoria or like have like a gender confirm confirming surgery? Or am I doing this just because, you know, I want to look like the next Barbie doll or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely didn't feel like I was getting addicted, like getting addicted to surgeries or that I just needed to keep having surgeries for, something to make me feel better Mm -hmm. and I think there are people like that but I also am not totally like if you want to keep having surgeries then I don't have anything I don't have any problem with that like I think that there's so much gatekeeping of surgeries already like in trans surgeries yeah but If you want to just keep, like, I'm all for just people having autonomy over their own body and making their own choices. And if you want to keep having surgeries and that makes you happy, then just keep doing it. Yeah. Like, it's like people that it's not something that I would do. I wouldn't cover my whole body in tattoos. Like, I wouldn't get face tattoos, but some Mm -hmm. people do. And I'm likening it to it because to me, like, it still feels similar in that you're making choices over your own body and you're not listening to other people. Because certainly most people would tell you not to get a face tattoo or they would also tell you, I mean, a lot of cis cis people would say... Don't or even other trans people are like, don't get bottom surgery. Mm-hmm. Like you won't it may, it won't make you happy, or like these surgeries won't make you happy. Yeah. But if it does make you happy, then get them. Like
0: Yeah. It's definitely yeah. you have to kind of distinguish like like what are you doing it for the right reasons? But I, I, I agree with you. Like right. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with getting yeah. any type of body mod. Like right. I have a friend that um who's trans mask and um they had top surgery and then afterwards they were like i don't really like my nipples like i would never had any type of like feeling for them so they just got rid of them mm-hmm. and uh they were sort of self-conscious about like showing anybody them because they kind of felt like like oh i'm different blah blah mm-hmm. blah and i i just told them like i think it's beautiful like mm-hmm. just do what you want with your body as long as it's not hurting others right. you know um yeah. and
1: i think like when you're talking about reasons for getting surgeries or the right reason to mm. get a surgery or to do something to your body, like the, the right reason is just whatever is right for you. Yeah. Like there's no – it's important to not let other people's like biases cloud your own opinion yeah. and your own need for your own body. Yeah,
0: because for me, my body fat transfer, my body contour, um, it – you know, the street word for it is a Brazilian butt lift. Mm-hmm. They took – Body fat out of my upper body, primarily like my stomach and my like upper hips and my back, and they put it in my like butt, basically, and like my hips, mm-hmm. um, and thighs, basically. And uh, I remember talking to my mom about it, and she was like, "Why do you want to get a butt lift? You don't need a butt lift. You have a butt, you know." And it really kind of set me back. Like I was worried, and I would talk about it all the time. Uh, like my friends would probably hear me talk about it like once every single time we hung out. (laughs) And I I, like remember talking to my therapist about it and it was months and months of me going back and forth saying, do I want it? Do I not want it? Do I want it? Do I not want it? And I wind up deciding like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I think that this is the right thing to do and I just have to trust in myself. If I have to keep thinking about it over and over again, then there's obviously some reason why I did it. And then after I did it, it was it was immediately it made sense because all it was about was just, like, making my body feel more proportionate, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like, I have somewhat broad shoulders um, from going through, you know, um, male puberty, and this helped me feel less big up there, mm-hmm. you know, and just have the shape that fits the way that I always felt it should be or, or, or it should always, or how I always wanted it. So I'm very happy I did it. Like it's probably like my favorite surgery I ever got. It's like this is my thing, mm-hmm. you know. Um I still did all the other ones for me, obviously, but like that one it was sort of like a like uh no, I do what I want. Right. You know, cuz a lot of people a lot of people don't take kindly to that kind of surgery, you mm-hmm. know, like a Brazilian butt lift. Like people are like, "Oh yeah, just go to South America and you know, hop on a plane and, and get it done and you'll feel happy. And like, you know, it's sort of like this like taboo thing. I think it's wonderful. Do what you want. Get a, you know, breast augmentation, mm-hmm. get fat transfer, get implants. Just do what makes you happy. But think about it before you do it, obviously. Right. Make sure. Like
1: don't make impulse decisions. Yeah. But if something feels right to you, then there's nothing wrong with with doing what you need to do to make yourself happy.
0: Yeah. How has surgeries changed your day-to-day life?
1: Well, having surgeries have changed like medically transitioning has like changed my life a lot. Um not only in like just feeling more confident and like more secure in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, but what but, about
0: like specifically surgeries? You know, okay. like, specifically your top surgery, has that changed your day-to-day life or like specifically having fallow?
1: Uh so well, I could say specifically for top surgery I just feel like I can go to the gym and feel, like, more comfortable Mm -hmm. um, because I can just wear, like, tank tops and whatever I want um, and not have to worry about, like, someone.
0: But I've never sat inside of a gym before. Like, or um, do people, like, have their shirts off?
1: No, but, like. I don't know. You can't work out in a binder, like, safely. Yeah, no. Because you can't breathe well. So, like, I would just wear a sports bra to the gym. Yeah. But that doesn't hide my chest as well as a binder would. So like I was a masculine presenting person, but then like I had a hint of a chest and like I was lucky enough to have a small chest before I had top surgery. But like even so, I was still worried about like someone realizing I was trans or something like that. Yeah. Um, That's
0: why I never ever wanted to go to a gym or work out or go running was because I was like, I don't want to like talk Right. You know, while I'm running or whatever, or like Mm -hmm. have the fear of it coming out. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Before bottom surgery, I was like, I'm never going to the beach, Mm -hmm. never going to the gym. I'm never going to run. Right. And I'm just going to hide in my house Mm -hmm. for um, the remainder of my time that I have to spend with this thing in between my legs. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And also, so like both or all of my surgeries have made me feel more comfortable just like being in communal situations like in a locker room I can change and feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um I can go to the beach and feel comfortable which I actually haven't done, but if I went to the beach I would feel comfortable doing yeah, it. We're going to go to the beach. Um, we're going to go to the beach. Yeah. But also just especially having phalloplasty and being in the hospital for so long um and being around such capable medical professionals um made me realize that I really wanted to like be in a medical profession so like mm-hmm. that's what made me realize I wanted to go to nursing school and, like, work with people pursuing gender-affirming surgeries. So, like, it actually changed, like, a big portion of my life Mm -hmm. in that it changed my career path. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: That's interesting that you brought that up, too, because that reminded me of something that I realized that's a little bit separate from what I just asked. But um, I feel like surgeries in general have made me appreciate certain things. Like, my facial surgery, I had a cast on my nose, so I couldn't breathe from my nose at all. Mm
1: -hmm. I also
0: had, like, a whole bunch of, like, sutures in my mouth, so it felt like I had barbed wire in my mouth, so I couldn't really eat. I couldn't really open up my mouth. I couldn't really take a shower. Um, For my body contour, I couldn't sit on my butt for six weeks. Six weeks of not sitting on your butt, it was terrible. Even now, it sort of hurts if I sit on my butt for a really long time, but it's also only been close to eight weeks at this point um so I appreciate those things like eating and going outside and going swimming and taking a shower mm-hmm. and like all of those kind of things just and breathing just breathing out of my nose you know if I have one clogged nose I smile a little bit and be like remember that time when I wanted to die because mm-hmm. both my nose were clogged and I had like an anxiety attack because I felt like I could never breathe ever again in my whole mm-hmm. entire life yeah um did that ever do you ever have that feeling too
1: yeah i'm actually really glad you brought that up because sometimes i forget about how temporarily disabling surgery is yeah and um i mean after top surgery was one thing it was like i couldn't really lift up groceries for a little while yeah And like i couldn't pick up my dog Mm -hmm. um but otherwise after i healed it was fine but like with phalloplasty I needed help from my mom for, like, almost everything. Yeah. For, like, at least two weeks after surgery. I mean, like, I
0: remember you, like, walking around like an old man. Like yeah. After phalloplasty. But that was, like,
1: <laughs> after I could at least, like get up off the couch by myself like yeah. when i first got from the hospital i needed my mom's help for everything like i couldn't make food i couldn't get up by yeah. myself because you're not allowed to bend at the hip for a little while so like i needed mm-hmm. her help getting up i couldn't go to the bathroom by myself i couldn't shower by myself like Ugh. it's very humbling yeah to need really when you're a 24 year old adult to need your mom's help with where you feel like a baby again. Yeah. So I don't know if it was like that much for you. Like, I don't know how much you were able to do after.
0: I mean, I hated it all. Because right. Because like, my mom you, and I would just fight the whole time.
1: Right. But could you do things by yourself after your, all of your surgeries? Not
0: really. Right. Um, for bottom surgery, it was rough because I couldn't mm-hmm. really like bend over. I would get dizzy. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't really stand for a long period of time. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, like I was in the in the hospital after phalloplasty when I was first, because I, d- I didn't st- get out of bed until like four days post-op, mm-hmm. and I d- passed out twice, or I passed out once, like fully passed out, yeah. then the second time I like almost passed out, so it took me like two days from when I was supposed to walk until I actually was able to like get up and walk yeah. without passing out, so like even that was just scary, like am I ever going to be able to walk again? Yeah. Of course I, I was, but
0: that actually reminds me of the most important one was after my bottom surgery, um, things they don't tell you about. I had to relearn how to pee. Right. Um, because they cut my urethra in half. Um, so where I would normally hold my pee, that was gone. So that muscle that I've never used in my whole entire life now is the most important muscle that I had to work. So that was frustrating where like, um, this again, TMI. Um, but I'm sure people have already heard this already, but like, like, At least, if you know me already, uh, because I don't have any secrets, I would be like in my kitchen, like cooking, and then, oh, I just peed on the floor. You know, Mm -hmm. I immediately started crying. Obviously, but like it was just, I hated it. You know, that that was nerve wracking for me because I just wanted to, like, go out and do things, Mm -hmm. but I was so terrified. I was like, I just peed myself, and in two weeks, I need to go back to work. I'm terrified you know um that was yeah yeah that was scary but I now appreciate peeing every time I pee mm-hmm. I have another question for you okay I know that this happened with me but did you ever have like phantom limb like for me
1: like before or after surgery
0: after surgery so like for me like right after bottom surgery like before I would have to sit down to pee and I would kind of like tuck it so it would go the right direction mm-hmm. um so i would find my hand going that way and i'm like there's nothing there right you know
1: well i didn't for bottom surgery because something was added and so yeah. subtracted yeah exactly um <laughs> there have been they're doing studies on there's someone in new york city uh psychotherapist doing studies on like phantom penis mm-hmm. so like um pre-op trans masculine people having like a sense of a penis when they don't when they don't oh, have cool. one yeah um, yeah did you I ever watch, have that yes Yeah,
0: that's cool yeah I mean Um, I don't know if that is cool I don't know if that was like trigger inducing uh, but that's like
1: well it's something that a lot of not all but many like transmasculine people experience and that's sort of like what spurred me to getting body surgery at least in part
0: did you pack a lot I don't know if that's a personal question
1: I didn't it wasn't something that ever felt I know people that do yeah Um, it never felt right to me because it sort of felt like it just felt like it wasn't it made me more aware of what I didn't have
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That was sort of how I felt with like properly tucking. Mm -hmm. I did um, what I what I deemed the street term of uh, faux tucking Mm -hmm. where I would just wear really small underwear and it would just kind of hold me in place. And I would sort of just make sure everything's in line. Um, So there was always a bump, but it was like small enough that it wouldn't really be a noticeable thing. But uh, like if I had to actually like, you know tuck with duct tape and things like that, or, you know, uh, I think that would have made it worse for me. Mm-hmm. So I feel that, I feel like that's a similar, yeah. similar thing that what you experienced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any questions for me? I don't want to keep asking.
1: Um, I could We keep sort going. of touched on this already, but like, what's the best thing to have come out of your surgeries?
0: That's come out of my surgeries? Yeah.
1: Well, okay. So I'll just say like, besides the obvious, like, besides, like, after going through, like, vaginoplasty, besides, like, obviously everyone knows what that's going to be, but, like, what are, like, the best things that, like, maybe you didn't expect?
0: Oh. Things I didn't expect. I didn't expect that three months after, well, it was more like four to five months after my facial surgery um, that I would just, like, stop getting misgendered. You know, and I don't know if it was like my confidence. I don't know if it was because I grew my hair out more, or if like my voice started getting better, or whatever it was, or if it was a combination all of all of them. Surgeries and hormones wasn't about passing really for me. It was more just like I wanted to look in the mirror and, and, and feel comfortable with who who I like saw looking back. Um, that just happened to be more female. Mm-hmm but that helped with my confidence, you know. Cuz the the hardest thing is when you're going through a medical transition and you want to look a certain way and then other people misgender you. It's sort of like your mind saying or 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 like you subconsciously think or maybe it's in your conscious, like I don't know. Like it's your dysphoria saying like I told you so, mm-hmm. you know. Um like of course that person misgendered me. I look like a man, you know. That kind of thing. So when people don't misgender you and you do have a dysphoria, dysphoric episode, it's way more validating when you just go to a stranger and they're like, oh, like, excuse me, ma'am, can you move over?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, that's super validating and it helps with my dysphoria because I no longer get that, Um, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. We shouldn't live in a world where that's the case, but that's the case, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think there's anything else that, like, was, like, unexpectedly surprising for me. Um, I think I did my research enough. So Mm -hmm. I kind of knew what was going to happen afterwards. What about you?
1: Um, I didn't expect to, like, develop such a sense of community after it. Because there's a lot of um, groups online for, especially for bottom surgery, where... I just made a lot of friends out of it. Like I made some of my closest friends that I have now out of it. And it sort of gave me like, a sense of purpose beyond just like getting surgeries and getting done with it. Like, I feel like I'm sort of a community mentor now and that I can, like, help other people, too. So I feel like I can give back now that I've gone through it, which yeah. I didn't expect. Like, I sort of just expected, like, it's a surgery. I'll get through it, and I'll be done with it. But now I feel like it's, it's like, a part of my life.
0: Yeah, I felt that overall, just going mm. through my journey, whether it's socially or medically or whatever. Um, but I'm, like, a case in point for you. Like, you're the one that recommended, you know, your surgeon mm-hmm. that did your top surgery... And phalloplasty, those two. Uh, I knew that. <laughs> um, your surgeon that did that also did my bottom surgery, doctor Bluebon Blubon-Lagner, uh, which mm-hmm. we may or may not uh, speak to her <laughs> in the future. Um, but I like she popped up on a Google search when I was looking at surgeons, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I saw that she was right in New York City. I saw that she, like... Like, wrote some, like, cool articles about, like, just trans health and, like, the advancements in, like, the field that she was making and all that kind of stuff or, like, at least documenting. And I thought nothing of it because there was, like, no, like, before and afters or anything like that. So I was like, ah, maybe I won't go to her. And then you mentioned, like, you know, she was my surgeon. And I was like, oh, I'll talk to her. You Mm -hmm. know, let's do it. And um, you kind of, like, bridged that gap to, like, make me feel less anxious about, like, finding a surgeon to do my bottom surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm so happy that I went with her. I felt like it was, like, like meant to be. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I feel like making connections like that where you're not going to a surgeon that you haven't had, you don't know anyone else with first-hand experience with them, so it's a little bit more scary than if you know someone personally who's gone through experiences with that surgeon.
0: Yeah. It makes you feel a
1: lot more comfortable. Just in
0: general, too. um, Like, none of my like friends that are nearby that I've spoken to that are trans feminine that were looking into bottom surgery has gone through any, there was no- nobody. I mean, I knew one person, but I didn't really know them like that personally. And I wasn't going to pry that much, you know, cause I didn't want to like seem awkward in that sense. But yeah, that was a, that was a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Having you to say, like, like even though it's a different surgery, it was just the fact that, like, you trusted that person. And at the end of the day, like, I cared way more about the way that I, my face looked than my vagina. I'll be honest right. with you.
1: Most people are going to see your face. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But I don't really think vaginas are very attractive to begin <laughs> with. I think they're just sort of there.
1: <laughs> I mean, I feel like genitals aren't attractive.
0: Genitals really. are weird, yeah, right? They're just weird looking, right? It's and like, everyone's look
1: different too. Like that's yeah. what I've learned too is like a lot of people have expectations for what theirs will look like if you're going through gender affirming surgery, and it's like if you look at any genitals, they all look different. Like they they don't look yeah. exactly the same. So yeah. there's not really one model of like perfection.
0: That reminds me of a, of a time after I got my bottom surgery when um, uh, that was right around the time Tumblr was going to be uh, less explicit. Mm-hmm. And so it was like like somebody jokingly put online, like, you know, quick, here's some Tumblr um, profiles that you can look at before it all goes away. And I clicked on one and I was like, obviously it was porn. Um, so I was sitting there like looking at porn while on a voice chat with a bunch of like nerd boys. And I'm just <laughs> like, wow, like her vagina looks way different than mine. And I was like, but hers looks really close to mine. And it like, it was sort of, somewhat validating you know while i'm sitting there mm-hmm. watching like, just hypercritically looking at porn in a different light right. you know um but yeah that's very true mm-hmm. okay i have a cool question for you okay i'm really happy with this question i'm excited um is there a surgery that you wish existed that currently doesn't
1: that's a good question
0: i know it is thank you
1: um so like there are many people or at least transmasculine people that say they don't want to have bottom surgery because it's not adv- advanced enough in quotation marks mm-hmm. or that they wish that certain things could they could do that currently bottom surgery does not have the capability of giving you. Okay. Um or certain types of bottom surgery like with phalloplasty you need an erectile device, you can't mm-hmm. get hard on your own.
0: Hold that. Okay. Thought, because that's my next question. Okay. But is there any surgery other than like a different type of surgery oh. that you wish you ha- that, that like that
1: that I wish I would get or but that, that doesn't exist that doesn't or does exist. exist
0: that doesn't exist at all or like at least like not like medically advanced enough.
1: Um I mean <laughs> so like this is sort of it could be silly. It's 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 sort of silly and I wish I didn't think this way but I do like there's so there's a leg lengthening surgery, yeah, that you can get, but they have to break your legs and have yeah. basically the bone regrow, and you can mm-hmm. only maybe get a couple inches out of it. Mm-hmm. And there's also like a high risk of you just being not able to walk for the rest of your life. That's scary. Um, so like it would be nice if I could get a surgery to make me taller because I am pretty short, but yeah. also like. I don't want to think that way because I don't think inherently there's anything wrong with being short versus being tall. and Like that's sort of a a standard of convention, like a convention of beauty that that people feel like they need to live up to. Yeah.
0: No, I get that. I get that. This is a little bit wishful thinking slash. Right. It's not the most, you know.
1: Yeah. It'd be nice to be like five inches taller, but I'm not going to like I used to have like a real complex about my height. And now I'm like fine with it.
0: I wish you could just take some of the bones that I have in my shoulders and just put (laughs) a little bit in my hips instead. Yeah, And like you were saying, there's actually a surgery that I saw. I think it's out in like California or Florida, somewhere not near us, um, that they're like fusing metal to your hips, to your hip bones to make them like wider. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. And then again, there's another one for for your shoulders where you like break your collarbone and reshape them to make them smaller. That's a lot you know um but that'd be cool if there was no recovery and it was free and i know that it would be 100 mm-hmm. percent success rate sure i'd try it you know right but um
1: so that's your answer
0: that's my answer Okay. yeah my answer would be um to uh have my shoulders a little bit smaller and mm. my hips a little bit wider but i i'm happy like right. i don't actually need that that's just sort of like Wishful thinking, Mm -hmm. not wishful thinking, but you know what I mean. Well, it is. Pipe dream. Right. Yes. Um, Okay, so to answer your other question is how do you feel about all the advances that you might miss out on?
1: So I don't really feel like I would miss out on a lot of advances because I feel like the advances that I would like to see are advances in erectile devices because uh, the currently available erectile devices, at least in the United States are made for cis men. Mm-hmm. So there's no erectile devices specifically for trans masculine people. Um, but
0: you're going to create one is what you're trying to tell me. No. I'm, no.
1: I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would be nice, but not n- not on the list, at least for now. Um, there's one available, and I think in Canada um, and maybe in Europe, I'm not sure exactly where, that was. that is made for trans masculine people who have had phalloplasty, mm-hmm. um, but it's not currently available in the United States. So... I would like to see advances in erectile devices and that's something that would be available to me because mm-hmm. when you get an erectile device, it still has to be replaced every few years. Like it's not something that lasts for the rest of your life.
0: Now, can I ask a silly question? Mm-hmm. Do these erectile devices, like, do some of them, like, are they inserted inside?
1: So there's, there's internal erectile devices and there's external erectile devices. So you can put something on the outside that yeah. makes you hard enough for like penetrative sets, but, are you-, but you can also get one that's internal.
0: And you could do that after the fact,
1: like
0: Yes. After phalloplasty.
1: yeah. Be, that's when ah. they generally do it. They usually generally do it as the last stage. Like they make an incision in your abdomen and insert it.
0: Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, they I didn't know that. they
1: suture it to your pelvic bone.
0: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. That makes way more sense. Right. So that's why my question was tailored around the thought of that you had to get it ahead of time.
1: Oh no. Yeah, you get it after the fact. And they yeah. can change it out. So if they were to make advancements in erectile devices in the future, that would be something that would be available to yeah. me. Um, so while it would be nice, and this is why some people don't want to have bottom surgery um, or phalloplasty, like with metoidioplasty where they're just using the natal tissue that you already have, mm-hmm. you can like get hard on your own, but you just have a very like small penis yeah. because they're just using your natural growth. Yeah. Um, with phalloplasty, like because they're using tissue and fat from another part of your body, there's no tissue that gets hard, like, uh, like a natal penis does. So gotcha. you can't, you yeah. can't get hard on your own, and that's what it's like. Some people, that's upsetting to some people. You also can't ejaculate, um, necessarily, mm-hmm. at least not how like a natal, a person born with a penis would. Yeah. Um. So some people aren't happy with that. Like, all everything that was available to me at this point in time is what I felt like I needed to make mm-hmm. me happy. Yeah. Um so I don't I don't like to think that in the future I'd be missing out on anything. Mm-hmm. Um because I don't I don't think that there's going to be in my opinion from having done research that there are going to be a ton of advances available to me and like mm-hmm. at the point at which there might be a ton of advances like I'd probably be old enough that I wouldn't want to go through such a major surgery. Yeah. And like I wanted I wanted it now because I wanted to have the surgery and then move on with the rest of my life. Like, I didn't want to, like, be like, well, I'll just try to forget about the dysphoria that I'm having and just move on. Like, that didn't feel like a good trade-off to me, to wait for potential yeah, advancements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, for me, I found out that you can use a part of your stomach lining. I forgot. I forgot the actual lining name for it
1: peritoneal yeah that thing Mm
0: -hmm. um I'm gonna let you say it because I'm gonna mess (laughs) it up um but you can use some of that to basically create the inside cavity of your vagina and um once I found out that that's a thing and I saw that I was like okay cool yep that's what I'm gonna get um I'm happy with the fact that it's just it's just that like, there's some people that um, are trying to, like, play with that.
1: Can you say why? Like, can you clarify why that was something that you wanted or that you're happy with?
0: Um, I'm happy with it because one is it actually, so I actually was talking to one of my nurse practitioners, not from the surgical office, but uh, um, separate. And um, she was saying that the idea behind it is that it's attached to something. Now my mm-hmm. cavity is attached to my stomach lining. So if something happens, so if like I, because how it works with uh, vaginoplasty vaginalplasty is if you don't dilate or you don't use it, it will close up just like, like an earring would, you know, over a certain amount of time. I think like after you've been dilating for long enough and you've been using it, you have to dilate less and less and that kind of stuff. And dilation is exactly what you think it is. Mm-hmm. And, um, so the idea behind this is if you stop dilating altogether you're still going to have some depth because it's attached to your stomach lining. So it still has like a, a anchor point, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, it's not just like floating in there. So it's less likely to get damaged. Also, it acts similarly to a um, like a person born with a vagina would where it can secrete mucus and um, it feels differently things like that. Now there's are sur- there are surgeons out there that play with that a little bit more where Mm -hmm. they take more and they like create the whole cavity out of it. And then like the benefit to that is you don't have to dilate as much. Um, But I was even speaking to like an older cisgender woman, you know, slightly above middle age, we'll say. And um, she was saying about how like she didn't have sex for years and years and years. And guess what? She had to buy a bunch of dilators because it got really tight, you know? Something people don't really talk about. I like, didn't know that. Yeah, like <laughs> it's it's. And then her and I had this whole conversation about dilators. I mm-hmm. recommended the ones that I use, and I recommended the 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 lube that I was using, and all this kind of stuff. So it kind of opened my eyes that like everybody is different. Every body is different. You hear that? You Ha-ha. Get it? Ha 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 ha. I know. I'm so funny. Um. So I'm I'm happy. I don't think I made a decision that I'm going to regret Mm -hmm. uh, in that aspect Um, or just in general. I don't think I I do. I don't regret any of my surgeries.
1: Right. I just that was actually going to be a question I had was like, because that's always the big question that people have, especially cis people. They're like, do you regret it?
0: No, I don't regret it at all. Yeah. Whatsoever. No. Yeah.
1: Because uh, there are certain things that I think and like I was saying earlier on that research shows that there's a very, very small percentage of people who regret having surgery, and if they do regret it, it's a certain individual aspect of it that they regret, Yeah, but not the entire procedure.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that comes from people that don't do the research that we're recommending. Like They have a certain expectation of how the surgery is going to be, and then they don't do the research to find out exactly what it's going to be like. And then they get disappointed. And then they say, I regret having this surgery.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: like, well, of course you regret having the surgery. But you don't regret having the surgery. You regret not doing the research about the surgery.
1: Yeah, you know? I think that could be part of it. I also just think that with with certain surgeries, you just can't you can't know exactly what's going to happen afterward. So even if you prepared as much as you possibly could it's still different when you're doing the research versus when it's actually uh your body that you're having that's true surgery on that's true so i just think that there's a lot of factors and you can't you can't know everything before you have surgery i agree i agree like maybe
0: i'm just bitter because i've read some articles of like mm -hmm. some people that are like bashing surgeries because they didn't understand what they were getting into um right
1: yeah, I mean, there's always going to be that. Yeah. But I think for the most part, like, I did so much research before surgeries, especially before phalloplasty. And, like, even so, I still – there were still things that I wish I had thought about more. Mm-hmm. But that, honestly, I don't think I could have thought about until after the fact. And then it, it was yeah. sort of too late. And yeah. not that I regret anything, but just that maybe there were things I would have done differently. But maybe maybe there weren't.
0: Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, but – I think the important lesson I learned was let yourself be surprised, you know, like don't set up expectations to the point where you're like, it needs to look exactly like a cisgender, you know, vagina. First of all, what does it even mean? Right. You know, all vaginas look different. I can show you three different vaginas that look exactly like mine, you know, scars and all that are cisgender, Mm -hmm. it's just that's how it is. That's how the world works, you know? We're all very vastly different people. If you want your vagina to look like a supermodel's vagina, sure, you know? Vagina, vagina, vagina. Um, But understand that that's not going to make you more or less of a woman because you Mm -hmm. have the vagina that is, like, the one that you would see in like Playboy or whatever. Mm. I don't even know if Playboy is even a thing anymore, but you get the idea. But that's what I mean by it. Like, those are the type of expectations that I try to tell people, like, just let yourself be surprised. Let your body tell you, like, this is who, like, this is what I want. And just influence the things that you can influence and then let your body do the rest, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And that goes with recovery, that goes with hormones, it goes with, like, everything in life. You know, mm-hmm. um, what about you and expectations? Like, is there any any type of advice that you would give, or or anything that you've learned in terms of expectations, either before or after?
1: I think it's really important to talk about your expectations with your surgeon before surgery, um, and really have those conversations. And I think that if you need to, if you have concerns, then to keep having different consults with your surgeon or different appointments until you like clarify everything um because i just think you need to be able to get everything like all of your questions addressed beforehand yeah that's that's what i think what about like
0: expectations uh about like aesthetics
1: i mean i still would just say to like talk to your surgeon yeah because the, your surgeon is the one who has control over the aesthetics you have no control over that yeah so i ultimately, mean your body
0: has control over it too. yes
1: that's true because like so the way like i heal and like my scars and like how mm-hmm. how like my body reacts to sutures like that's nothing my surgeon can control besides maybe trying to use something else mm-hmm. but even when like it's just my body like hates everything that is trying to hold wounds together yeah um so i've always had issues with that but that's nothing anyone can control so i think like sometimes you just have to figure things out like in the moment Mm -hmm. like there are some things you just can't prepare for it's true so i think you just have to like realize that yeah um i also think if you can find a therapist that is uh, and it's hard to find like it's hard to find a trans therapist and then it would also be hard to find a trans therapist i would think that is experienced with like all of the trans surgeries yeah so I think if you're able to find a therapist that is open to talking to you about this and open to talking about what you want out of surgery, mm-hmm. then that's a good idea. That's true. Because I think like people close to you might be scared for you having major surgeries. So they may want to try to talk you out of it because yeah. they are worried. And that's not saying that you shouldn't go through with the surgeries, but maybe those aren't the right people to talk to these surgeries about yeah. besides if they're going to be your caretaker and preparing them. But it's good to have like an objective party to talk to you about your concerns because then they're like a voice of reason for you, at least in some point, unless they're then going to tell you not to go through it. Cause they're also like a scared cis person. So yeah. you just have to find the right person.
0: I think that's, I'm going to actually redact what I said. The only regret that I have is that I wish I told my mom who was taking care of me. She stayed up. She stayed with me in my apartment um, I wish I gave her a little bit more heads up on what was going on because I was like, yeah, I'll be fine in a week. Six weeks later. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, That's the only like real regret I had was like really t- like making sure that my caretaker at the time knew that I was like going to be out of commission for a, a longer time because mm-hmm. um, I'm a very independent person. So having that person to rely on for longer than I expected, uh, it just kind of, it was weird. It restrained our relationship at the time, but then now I feel like we're stronger. Mm-hmm. So do I regret it? I don't know. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't regret it.
1: Right. I mean, if it made your relationship stronger, that might have not necessarily been a bad thing. Yeah. I felt like my mom, because I also don't feel like I, I told my mom like that she was really going to need to help me. But I don't think like we, re- we both realized how out of commission I really would be.
0: Yeah. But I think that's also, we didn't want to tell them. Because then they would would possibly, like, try to talk us out of well, it. Well,
1: my mom, she didn't try to talk me out of it, but she was worried. For all of my surgery. she was like, do you really need this? And it's like, well, yes, that's yeah. why I'm doing it. Yeah, I've um, had that
0: conversation, too.
1: Yeah, but, like, in the moment, I think we had a really good relationship when we were going through it. And then after the fact, it was like, okay, mom. So that was one thing. It was like, mom, I want you to stop coming to my doctor's appointments with me now because... I'm at a point where I can take care of myself and you don't need to be there while I have my pants off. (laughs) Um, And she didn't like that because she was, like, with me through the whole thing. Yeah. like, it was great to have her support, but then it's, like, at a point where it's, like, okay, I'm an adult. Like, I want to do these things on my own. Yeah. We're at a point where I don't need your help anymore. Mm. So that was something that was strained. But it's also growth because that's just a general thing of, like, (laughs) when your child becomes an adult and you need to figure out boundaries.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I uh, like to break as many boundaries as possible. Like, the other day – I was about to hop in the shower, but then my mom asked me a question. So I just walked out of the bathroom completely naked. And I stood in the kitchen while having a whole conversation with her. And she kept like looking down and I'm like, mom, what are you looking at? And she's like, it looks so cute. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my God. The last time my mom and I talked about my surgery or any of my surgeries, she was just like, are you happy with how, with, with everything? And I was like, yeah. She was like, I could tell she wanted to like ask more, but I just, I'm just at a point where I don't want to talk to my mom about yeah. my junk.
0: Well, if she does want to know any more, I'm sure she can continue listening to our podcast.
1: I don't know if she's listened at all.
0: Well, she's going to have to soon because eventually I want to get her on here and have a mom cast. Yeah. It's official now, everybody. <laughs> We're going to make it happen. Right. Um. Whoops. Is there any last bit that you want to, uh, uh, like, wrap this up with? Because I feel like all my questions are asked.
1: I feel like we talked about a lot. We did. I think we've been going for, like, an hour and a half or more. Yeah.
0: We might have to split this up into two. Yes. Um, but if we don't, thanks for sticking with us. Yes.
1: Um, I think maybe we could talk about, like, logistics and stuff at one point. Like, more surgery talk. I love talking about surgery. So I know. Yeah, Yeah, but I feel like we might
0: have more surgery talk when we talk to other people. Correct. Wink, wink. We do have,
1: yes. (laughs) Um, Look for more surgery talk in the near future.
0: Exactly. Thanks for stopping in, everybody. Uh, Make sure you get a pamphlet on the way out. and (laughs) um,
1: Follow us on the social media.
0: Yeah, there's a whole bunch of social media. Um, We have stickers now, too. So if anybody knows us, or like wants a sticker, just let us know somehow. Whether mm-hmm. it's on our Facebook or whatever social media it is, mm-hmm. um, it has like a little QR code on it, so people can just scan it with their like camera app, and it'll automatically pop up into our podcast. Yes, so it's very cool. Yeah, it's really fun. It's mm-hmm. got um, it's got our logo and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
1: and keep giving us feedback. If you like what we're doing, let us know. Um, I think whenever I listen to podcasts, everyone's always like. Please review us on iTunes because that helps us be seen. Oh, by yeah. Other review us on iTunes so, because it
0: helps us be seen.
1: Yes. And just keep telling us if. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Like, give us a lot of stars.
0: Yeah. Give as us many stars as possible. All of the stars. Because we're stars. <laughs> okay. Bye. I love you. Thanks. Bye.